every time I told people I wanted to make clothes, they would kind of reply with like, well, are you going to make clothes for someone like me? Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. So, Mira, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for giving up your time to be on the podcast because I know that you're a very busy person and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I can't wait to delve in. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. So the first question that I ask every single guest is how do you refer to your own disability? Um, I I say that I am a um, baloney amputee. Uh-huh. And with with your amputation, was that something that was obviously it's acquired, but was that because of a previous disability or is that something else like was was something else happening? Yeah, I was born with a birth defect in my leg, which kind of created a tumbleweed medical situation where I ended up losing my leg when I was 17. So I've been without my leg for um like 13 years and I I existed with my leg for like the first 17 years of my life but I um I was like never able to walk comfortably mm-hmm. so where for a lot of people their moment of amputation marks this kind of like like you were not disabled and now you were yeah. I think for me it, it worked very differently and and that that shapes my experience very much Uh and that's like it's so interesting that you say that for quite a lot of amputees it's almost like that's the point that they become like you know you're not disabled and then you suddenly are disabled but for you it was a very different experience and I'm wondering like at that age at 17 which is so formative how was that experience for you like because it doesn't sound like it was a big moment in terms of you've become disabled. It sounds more liberating. And I'm wondering, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was it was liberating in um, in a couple ways. I had been dealing with like very serious, like very unmanageable chronic pain with my leg mm-hmm. and then not having it kind of took that part of my life turned it down a lot and like really made it so that I live a lot more comfortably. And um, I think also during that time, like maybe it was because I was coming of age to like really discover myself and think about my own experiences. Or maybe it was because like I went from being maybe like invisibly disabled to very visibly disabled. I feel that I was able to advocate for myself quite a bit better um, after that. But again, I also was coming into adulthood. So those things kind of arrived at the same time. And it is, it's such a formative age around like in the UK, that's usually like the time that you choose like where your career is going to go and like what kind of subjects you're doing for exams and all that kind of stuff. And and it's like teenage years and like you could never pay me a million pounds to go back and be a teenager. Like I just wouldn't do it. But for, for that age, like it must have been or like I'm obviously completely assuming here, but it must have been such a, a big change, but a positive change, you say, because like you said, like it's you've become liberated. And 
and like you don't have as much pain anymore. And I'm wondering how did that affect what you did in terms of like career and the path that you chose because of that timing? Um, I think the path was actually shaped by something else I was liberated from and becoming uh-huh. disabled. And I wonder if dis- other disabled people will have this experience. When I became very like um, obviously disabled, like physically you could see it and it was like clear to other people and it wasn't something that could be hidden. I found this kind of filter came about on like people and what was important. And I could see very much that like the people that came close, the people that stuck by me and the people that were able to really clearly see past this hurdle as like very Uh good people and to kind of set off being surrounded by that. And like, it made really superficial activities no longer of interest to me, which allowed me to pursue my deeper interests of art and fashion. I love that. It almost like lifted the veil of like, who's like meant to be in your life and who's not necessarily meant to be there for like whatever reason. And you're kind of given that chance to be like, maybe at base root, you might not be a bad person, but you're not a person for me in my life because you can't almost accept how the things are. Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of my artwork is about this. So it's it's not really, there's no use in denying it. Like yeah. my nature is to be kind of a party girl. And <laughs> I'm serious. I, it is. I, I love, I like that. Like I enjoy dancing and going out with my friends yeah. and like socializing. Like that's really something I, I want to be doing all the time. And I think it's like a really special and awesome thing, but it can be a really big distraction. Yeah. And I think that I was able to kind of eliminate some of those superficial distractions and like my indulgences and frivolity because I wasn't able to do them quite to the level that I used to. And then I was able to kind of focus on art and fashion and and making things and and learning things. Yeah. And what was it like for you to, to enter like the art and the fashion world as a disabled woman? Because it's not something that like you regularly see represented. And I just wondered what that experience was was like for you. Um, I feel very lucky for all of this to be happening in, in the time that it was, mm-hmm. I kind of like, I knew that the fashion world was going to change very soon. Yeah. Um, and I knew that because every time I told people I wanted to make clothes, they would kind of reply with like, well, are you going to make clothes for someone like me? And my aunts would say that to me, meaning was I going to make plus size clothes? And I, and I had an aunt with one arm. So I was like very used to being around disabled people. And, and I, I really started to think about what being a fashion designer was going to mean when I felt like I had all these beautiful women who didn't feel they could be in fashion or should be in fashion for whatever reason, eager to, to see the day that I made them close. So I kind of had this sense of like, things are going to change as I'm entering the fashion world. And like, people are really hungry for, for recognition and to be included. And as soon as I could see that there was like money in that, that like people were going to be spending like, you know, like kind of like that really obvious thing, like fat girls have money too to spend. Like you might as well take it when you're a designer. Like, (laughs) like, I don't know. My mom and I used to make that joke a lot. So I hope it doesn't sound crass, but we were talking about ourselves, but I mean, 
sorry, I'm being a bit long here. No, I love it. Carry on. (laughs) I was eager that it was going to change. I knew I was going to change it. I knew my peers were working on changing it already. Mm -hmm. And I was excited to be like, no, I'm going to be like disabled and I'm going to be missing my leg and I'm going to be in fashion and it's going to be great. Yeah. And I love that as well, because I think what you said about so many people feel like they're not represented in fashion and were so eager to be represented is so clear and so stark within the disabled community because you look at people who have constantly been like misrepresented or underrepresented and and to have someone who's almost like on the inside and then like playing the role of being like no I'm gonna make this like for, for everyone and like as like as you said like these people have money so you might as well take it if you can create something for them because that isn't there right now or like at least it's not in the UK and I think that's such a good way of how you you entered that and how you looked at it because I'm not sure a lot of people would have had that tenacity to go in and be like I'm going to be here I'm going to be very openly and loudly disabled and I'm going to make it work I had really great peers you know I, a lot of other people at that same time were doing it. I had this like article printed out that I would have with me always. That was an article about the prosthetic legs that Alexandra McQueen made for Amy Mullins. Uh-huh. So I knew that I knew there was room for it and I knew it could happen. And, you know, there was like mama cacks coming up and like, um, you know, Tess Holiday, Nicolette Mason, and so many other, uh, and Arabelle Sicardi, like so many of my peers at this time coming into fashion um, were really challenging beauty standards and really challenging, um, you know, the lens to which we were accounting for beauty. Mm-hmm. And I think with that really, I, I've, I feel that the conversation about fashion and beauty and disability and what it means to be, um, you know, gorgeous and included in this otherwise very exclusive world really started to change and how did you go from being like in fashion and art to then tattooing and that being like your medium as such yeah um that came from a kind of similar thinking process to like seeing there being room in fashion for much more diversity that came from like really wanting a very specific kind of tattoo. And at the time in 2013, 2012, um, I really wasn't able to find that kind of tattoo anywhere. And I knew other people who wanted it and I saw this void and I was working in fashion at the time and I had my daughter and I I left my job in fashion to pursue tattooing to Mm. fill this void. I think I love that it almost seems like from what you said is that you've been able to notice like gaps in the market and almost like fill it quite quickly and be able to be like, okay, I'm going to do it. Nobody else is doing it around me. So I'm going to fill it in. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the person that creates a stamp almost. And I think that's such a brilliant attribute to have as a person, particularly as a disabled person. Cause I think so often society doesn't let you do that, but you've pushed through that and broken like the barriers for that, which I think is incredible. I think disabled people are the most creative people in the world. I think that there's so much creativity and problem solving and speculation required in like 
finding what works for your body as, mm-hmm. and especially with the added challenges of being a disabled person and disabled people in societies that aren't necessarily built for disabled people. So I think that that mentality actually equips disabled people to be much better at this kind of like creative alternative career path. And I think it frees disabled people are, are more free in that way. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I it's so interesting. I literally just had a conversation with someone about how the trope of the disabled person is like, oh, you know, you're quite meek and mild and and maybe you're like in the corner and like you don't necessarily like speak all that much. And and when I look at every single disabled person I know, it's wrong. Like every single disabled person I know is is probably pretty loud is probably like very up for standing up for their own rights. And and actually you're so right when you say that very creative because naturally we've had to be problem solvers. So regardless of what the situation is, we, we know how to handle that situation in a way that benefits us rather than like your average able-bodied Steve. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I, I really do like this kind of new stereotype that you're speaking of that's coming out of like these kind of disabled girls that are like really loud and like really intense because like they've had to be speaking up for so long. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really like that. And there's also like, um, I'm not sure if you follow crutches and spice, but it's like a really great resource. And she made a joke one time where she was like, I don't know about you, but have you ever noticed all amputees are super chaotic? <laughs> it was like a video of like her friend waving her leg around. And I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I think that might be really true. Like there's something about being able to like assemble yourself and disassemble that might make <laughs> you a bit more like prone to a kind of chaos those around you aren't used to. I actually have never thought about that before. And like, I actually think that might be bang on. Like, I'm not an amputee, so that's not my lived experience. But like, I have had a fake arm and like, I have thrown it into the center of a nightclub on Halloween and been like, oh my God, like, what's happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something to to assembly that I think is kind of fun. And I think yeah. I think involving humor like Crutches and Spice does is incredibly important and, and really is really great. She does it really well. Yeah, for sure. And I like that's going to stay with me now because I think oh like sometimes I am actually quite a chaotic person and now that that might make sense as to why. (laughs) So with everything I personally believe that like through any time of like hardship or darkness particularly surrounding disability if you can focus on like one positive attribute about yourself you can generally like get through that time and I was wondering do you or have you found a positive attribute within yourself that actually upon reflection you're so proud of how you handled a situation or you know an event surrounding disability um yeah like I I I see myself like for what I am, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like for like lack of a better word, like I, I like appreciate that I like lost my leg when I did. I'm grateful that it happened then. Yeah. I'm like a person who believes like your death is, is decided. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that about my body as well. So I think if that I like imagine an alternative universe where I didn't get the infection that led to my amputation something mm-hmm. else would happen like i'd be riding my bike or something and like i believe that i would have yeah. changed 
that time. And I'm like grateful that that happened when I was really young and I could build my life around it rather than having to like take a life that I already had built and like rearrange it around something very new and different. Mm -hmm. I like that. And what I'm always really interested to talk to, particularly disabled mothers, is how does being a disabled mother affect you? Because I always think about what it will be like for me in the future. And like, I know I won't always be able to hold my children. And that's something that I think about quite often. And and I was wondering, has it ever, or has it ever even like crossed your mind what it's like to be a disabled mother? Yeah, because like, it's so annoying, you know? Um, <laughs> but like, also, I think, I think all disabled people have a tendency to do this and that's, it's like perfectly okay. And it's warranted, but you kind of start to forget that like, it's hard for other people too. like, there are able-bodied mothers that cannot hold their children every day. Yeah. That's like, there are for whatever reason, mental, spiritual, she's got to go to work. There's a hundred thousand different reasons why she might not be able to do that every day of her life. Yeah. And like, it's very easy to feel like, oh my God, I can't run around with Margaret right now. Like my leg hurts. Like I want, I'm frustrated. Um, but like, there's also days I can run around with her and I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> like kids all hate hearing no, but they get used to it. And and you're able to raise a child with an extension of compassion that yeah. is really healthy for them. And that compassion that you will model to them for to establish your own needs, that compassion that you're going to hold for yourself to show your children how to exist around you without injuring you, they're going to see that you're extending that compassion to yourself and they're going to extend that compassion to themselves. And they're going to show other people where their boundaries and their needs are very clearly because they've modeled it so well. I think it's an incredible advantage. And I, and I don't discount the disadvantage that it is. And if there's disabled mothers listening, like I'm speaking really positively right now, but I know like that it's harder and that some days you might feel like you're walking uphill in every direction at all times, no matter what, and that you wish things could be as simple as you see your able-bodied counterparts, but know that there is a special divine under thing happening that everyone is benefiting from by you being a parent. I'm grateful for disabled people who become parents anyway. That's honestly the, the first time that's that you, the way that you have laid out what you've just said has been laid out in such a way that actually I couldn't not agree more with what you just said because I don't think the positive side of being like a disabled quote quote unquote disabled parent ever gets shared like that because I think people like to see the burden of a disabled like parent like oh you don't want your kids to you know feel like they're the burden or like oh no mommy can't play or daddy can't play for like whatever reason and the way that you have just explained the positives and yes we are talking positively is actually really beautiful because that has never been explained to me before and I've never had someone be like whoa 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 like actually what you can show a child through disability will only ever positively impact them. Yeah. And like, isn't that like, isn't that like one of the most beautiful things that you can do for someone else? 
and your child is only like all humans temporarily able-bodied and there will be temporary disabilities in your child's life that you'll be able to prepare them for bouts of pain or sickness or they fall off their skateboard and break their arm these things happen and they'll be equipped with that problem solving from you their parent i i think i hope i can encourage disabled people who feel the call to the vocation of parenthood to pursue it without holding back yeah Oh, I think that's just like, that's really touched me. I'm like, oh God, that's so lovely. (laughs) Thank you. I have like a good selection of bizarre questions that I get asked quite regularly. And most recently I was asked if I was out at dinner and someone asked if they could cut up my food for me. It's never happened before, right? But it's because I've only got one hand and I thought they were being helpful. And it probably will happen again. Like, this is the world that we live in. And I was wondering, is there a particular set of questions that people ask you or like when you hear it, you're like, oh, not again. Or actually you kind of just like laugh and shrug it off. Have you got like a set of those questions? Yes. But (laughs) as I'm getting older, I'm trying really, really hard. And when I was younger, it was a wild animal. Like there's a wild beast inside of me that I have worked very hard to tame. Like I said earlier, I would have given my life to the party if I hadn't become disabled. So I used to just be like, fuck off. But like now when I met with these questions, I can't even think of one right now. I guess like what happened to your leg or something like that. I can't even really think of one, but like when I get them, I try to like really rise to the occasion. (laughs) Like really, really do it, you know, and be like, this happened. It was this way. It was extremely rare. If this ever happens to you, you're going to be okay. Don't worry. Yeah. All good. Go on your way. See, I think that, I think maybe that may, maybe, well, maybe I kind of hope that will come when I like maybe mature a bit, but like I'm pushing a 30 now and it still hasn't happened for me. No, you're fine. If someone asks to, you to cut their food open, you can tell them to fuck themselves. It's okay. <laughs> I was just so shocked. I was like, I don't really know what you mean. And then I was like, oh my God, because I think also as disabled people, we forget that our disability isn't the norm. So like, yeah. I forget quite often that like not being able to clap my hands is not the experience that everybody else has. Yeah. So when I get asked these questions, I'm like, what? Oh, like this is a disabled question. Oh, like where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I like forget very often. And you know what I think is really funny is the people really, really close to me forget too. Yeah, I have the same. Like I was like, running around the yard with my fiance this weekend and his uncle was like oh she walks really good and i was like like what like and i i kept trying to be like does he think i can't walk in high heels like is he stupid and not even occurring to me that he's like referring to my my leg i was just like you know like oh does he think i can't walk in cowboy boots like oh yeah because he thinks i'm like a city girl like i get it It's funny, isn't it? Because on one hand, I'm like, oh, that's like, it's kind of lovely that you're not just seeing like the disability in me. And that is great because yes, it's a massive marker of who I am, but it's not all that I am. And on the other hand, I'm like, but I am disabled. So you need to be able to see it. You know, it's like, it's such a like double edge. I live in both of those places too. Um, 
and it's really hard to balance for myself. So I can't imagine how hard it is for like the people around me to balance like my ever changing feelings about it. Yeah. And like my feelings about it change all the time. And I think it's kind of just like, okay, like this is like this thing you get to do. You get to, you get to like, just wrestle with it. You don't have to land anywhere forever. You can go back and forth between like putting it behind your, like, you know, standing in a way where no one can tell and in photos. And like, that's a time in your life when you're just not willing to share that. And then you can have times in your life where you're like, Hey, what's up? Let's do it. Come on. And like, you can, you can go back. You don't have to choose one forever. Yeah. And I think that is also a really important thing to say is that it's not, it's not static. You c- it's like, it's fluid. Some days you can absolutely love being disabled and it can be like the best thing in the world. And other days you can wake up and be like, why the fuck is this happening to me? And like both are completely valid because it's your own experience, but it's not something that stays the same all the time. And like for a lot of people, I think they feel like if they, they're not always completely happy in their disability, it's like they're doing other people a disservice and like, you're not, but like you can, you can wake up sometimes and be like, you know what, today is a day that I hate disability and that's completely fine. Yeah. And it's important that when you have those days, you like very gently remind yourself that you hate your situation and not yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's like a big difference between the two. Yeah. Or you hate the world that isn't built for you. Cause that's not fair. Yeah. And like, you know, you're allowed to wallow in self-pity for a designated amount of time. And then you absolutely have to find a way that you help yourself and help someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agreed. Like I am someone who very much sticks to like, okay, you've got an hour to sit and be a bit pissed off or be upset or like to cry. You've got 15 minutes. And then after those minutes are up, you're you're done. Like we go for a walk, we get a coffee and like, we realize that we're great. <laughs> exactly. What is it like? I'm wondering for you, cause you live in New York and I was wondering what is the accessibility like around New York? Because I spoke to Roderick, I can't remember his last name right now. But anyway, he was the first double amputee to do an Ironman and he lived and trained in New York and he said it was really bad for him because he used a wheelchair. And I was wondering what is the accessibility like for you? Or like, is there no difference? The lack of accessibility in New York used to really bother me. And now it feels like just another rent I pay yeah um, because I feel that i I can't I can't imagine too many better solutions to the situation that we have. Yeah. like to be honest, like there's a lot of different kinds of road. It's a lot of walking. It's a lot of stairs, which tend to be my mortal enemy. <laughs> um, but like, oh my God. Can I be honest? I almost can't complain about this without crying. Like I don't allow myself oh, to complain sorry. about the accessibility of New York. No, no, no. It's cool. I haven't done that in, in an interview in a really long time. Um, yeah. I don't allow myself to complain about it because it's really, really bad. Yeah. And like, I love New York. New York is a great place, but it is renowned for just being inaccessible for the disabled community if you need to use mobility aids. Like, I guess I would have to drive if I lived anywhere else which yeah. I don't know how to do, which has nothing to do with my disability and 
has everything to do with my inability to file any kind of paperwork ever. <laughs> um, so, so this is where I am and this is where I'm going to be for the foreseeable future indefinitely forever and ever. Yeah. That's like, that's, I love that. <laughs> I love that you, you can't drive, not because you're disabled, but just because you can't do paperwork. Like <laughs> that's hilarious. No, I can't. It's, <laughs> it's a much more serious, dis- the inability to do paperwork is a much more serious disability than missing a leg. Yeah. And in the, obviously in the, so in the UK, obviously we have the NHS. So like if I ever need like an extra prosthetic or if I ever need anything from the limb clinic, I literally just ring them up and I get it pretty much delivered to my door straight away. What is that process like in America? Because I can imagine it's completely different. Yeah, it's super different. Um, And it it requires a lot of paperwork. (laughs) Your favorite. (laughs) Um, And I really struggle to keep up with it and to manage it. I really do. I feel that this is this is some real this is very real. I really struggle with this. I struggle with the maintenance of a prosthetic. It's not it's a lot of like regular upkeep that I just find really exhausting. And like I don't know. It's it's a lot. The process is like finally in my life after 13 years of like being like really anxious about going to the prosthetist like feeling really nervous there and like really afraid there for many reasons. I, I finally found a guy that, that I have a comfortable relationship with and he owns a prosthetics place on long Island, which is like a train ride away and we're friends and we've driven out together and stuff. And I have a good situation sorted. Um, and I mostly try to pay for, end up paying for things out of pocket because my insurance company doesn't cover prosthetics and it would cost me a lot of time and energy to try to fight them on that. And even when I have, I haven't gotten it. There's been a couple times when I like switched insurances just to get to, just to get a prosthetic, but that was really expensive. Yeah, this is, that's, that's a hard, it's a hard subject because that's a really hard thing. Yeah. And it's so different from the UK because, you know, like we kind of get it given, you know, and I kind of know, and I know it's not the same. Like I've done the US thing, like I've lived in New York, so I know that it's not the same. So the experience is just so different, but I never had to like sort out any of my prosthetics when I was in, in New York. So I didn't have to like go through it. I just know that the process is so different. And it's for, for, for me, I guess, the idea of filling in loads of paperwork to kind of prove as to why I need this is the bit that kind of baffles me the most because, you know, in person you'd see me and you get it. But like trying to write that down on a form being like, I need a hand because I want to hold a cup just seems really futile. And yeah, so- I've had to like write letters about being a mom and like needing to take my daughter to school and all this stuff. And it's it's really stressful. And I find the prosthetists I find a lot of prosthetists um have the personality of architects oh my god I know what you mean like I know exactly what you mean and I can find I've it's not a good I don't enjoy this you know what I'm talking about right yeah 
I because really... they see like a problem and they want to fix it in a very like clinical manner that almost takes away from the human experience and like I yeah I know exactly what you mean because there's an element of like building and fixing and correcting that in theory works but like the practicality and the reality of it doesn't translate yeah and like I don't need to be coddled but it's really complicated and I feel very fearful of people that that fetishize the disabled especially like people with limb differences and I feel very fearful in prosthetic like environments because like it feels I don't know it feels very obvious to me and feels very uncomfortable so I have this guy he's great his name is Alex he hates amputees and that's the thing I love most about him seems like (laughs) playing and chaotic and crazy and I don't know why I'm stuck doing this and he's super sweet and fun and he takes really good care of my leg and I am so grateful for this relationship and I hope whoever is missing a limb can like get a good relationship with someone to help them build their legs yeah I have one more question for you and that is can you say that you're disabled and proud yeah I'm disabled and proud amazing interestingly I was speaking to someone who says that becoming proud in their disability is very much a journey and I tend to agree with that as well and would you agree or disagree that becoming like having pride in your disability is like a personal journey oh absolutely I agree very much I'm glad well thank you so much for giving up your time today I know that you're a super busy person and I've loved this and um yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you it was great to speak with you and you thanks for listening to this episode of disabled and proud if you've enjoyed the show then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts it really helps us to reach more and more people each week plus if you've got a particular highlight then i'd absolutely love to hear it tag me on your insta stories at disabled and proud podcast